we finish this off with a safety, shall we? <laughs> Forward on territory, obviously. Jones standing in his own end zone to our right. Snap. Back to pass. Pressure again off the edge. And he's set for the safety. Crosby and Nichols. They met in the end zone. They squished him to the turf. And the Raiders defense has that safety. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by the Black Hole. Become a member of football's most notorious fans. JT, back with you. Hour number two of the show. Thanks for joining us. Raiders coming off the victory. They're now 3-3 three and three on the year with the road trip to Chicago and two injured quarterbacks, one on each side. Always a pleasure to welcome Sam Munson. Joins us from PFF, their lead NFL analyst. Sam, let's begin with all the injuries to the quarterbacks yesterday. I think it was six, maybe more, that either went to the blue tent, went to the locker room, tried to come back. It was a violent day for quarterbacks, huh? Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, the NFL, you know, is try- trying to legislate that out of the game, trying to protect the quarterbacks as much as possible. But I think part of the problem is there's never been more talented pass rushers than there are right now. So everything they're doing to try and save these guys and make sure they're not getting hit is being undone by the fact that there's just this incredible influx of pass rushing talent in the league right now. That's fascinating to hear. So you believe not only their talent and skill set, but when they get to the quarterback – because Deacon Jones was a violent player, so was Lawrence Taylor, two of the greatest of all time on the Mount Rushmore. But is the quarterback now just more of a sitting duck than they were back in the day and just not as big and strong? And these edge rushers are just overall better than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. No, I don't think it's that. I think there's just more of them. Um, okay. you know, they've always been incredible pass rushers, edge rushers in the NFL, but now there's a ton of them. You know, You look at just the number of guys where you say, this is a real defensive player of the year candidate. And this year there's easily half a dozen of those guys. And there's probably another half a dozen that are at the tier just below that. And they're all in the league at the same time. And they're all coming after the quarterbacks. Sam Munson joins us. So Sam, I was at the Raider game yesterday. I just want your exit strategy for Belichick for this year. They're not going to win a lot of games and it's a great quarterback class coming in. Do you think they're going to get off of Mac Jones pretty early here the rest of the way and set themselves up because Belichick's not going to put up a white flag and not try to tank for anything, and the future of the Patriots is probably going to have to be with a new QB. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the only thing keeping Mac Jones in the job as things currently stand is the lack of any viable alternative. You know, I think if the Patriots had a quarterback that they thought gave them any kind of better chance, they would have already made that switch. Mac Jones is playing his way to the bench. They just don't have a better option to, to install in there. Um, I think definitely in the offseason, they're going to try and find some other quarterback, some alternative, some um, different direction probably in the draft. But um, the question is going to be whether Belichick survives that long. I mean, this season could get ugly. They're, what, 1-5, and five, staring down the barrel of 1-7 and seven because Buffalo and Miami is up next. And as much as Belichick, you know, was part of that part of creating that dynasty. I don't know how much longer you can go through a season like this and how much patience Robert Kraft is going to have to, for him to turn it around. Sam Munson joins us. Panthers are up 14, nothing. The Dolphins put up 28 unanswered on them. How much did that have to do with the speed of Tyreek Hill and the adjustments that Mike McDaniels made to get them back in the game? Yeah, I mean, I think eventually you just run out of plays where you're able to contain all that speed and, and that entire offense. Tyree Kill 
is one of the most unstoppable players in the NFL. He's probably the fastest player in the NFL, but that speed is paired with quickness and short area ability and the capacity to accelerate and decelerate instantly. Um, and he's a good route runner and he's good at the catch point as well. I mean, and Miami scheme frees him up with all this short motion and, and getting him into space and maximizing the impact he has with that skill set. And it's not like he's the only dangerous weapon on that offense. You've also got Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mostert. And, you know, I know Devin uh, HM was injured uh, for that game, but you know, they've got more than that when they have to go into the bench over the course of the season. And that's why they they put up this insane volume of points and yards and all that over the course of the season. You might be able to keep them quiet for a quarter and, and get lucky on a couple of drives, but eventually those weapons are going to start to show. Sam Munson from PFF's our guest. You showcased a really good play. I didn't get a chance to see. I didn't see the game and just the highlights, but Miles Garrett on Trent Williams. How uncomfortable was Brock Purdy? Because he usually is in a really clean pocket and has multiple options early in those routes. That Cleveland defense against the 49ers offensive line, what'd you see? Yeah, the Cleveland defense is absolutely for real. Um, you know, they were helped out by the conditions. It was wet. Uh, Brock Purdy wasn't playing the way he normally plays. It was a ball just completely slipped out of his hand at one point for a fumble. There was a few other passes that he missed, I think, because the conditions were a factor rather than because he was just inaccurate on the play. The ball was sort of slipping out of his hand a bit. So that definitely played a factor, as did Trent Williams getting hurt. You know, his, his leg got rolled up on and he left the game and came back. I don't know that he was 100% when he came back. So all these things played into it. But the Browns' defense was fantastic as well. And, you know, Miles Garrett is playing like one of those defensive player of the year type candidates that we talked about before. He gave Trent Williams as many problems as I've I've ever seen anybody give Trent Williams. Um, And he's not alone. I mean, they had a bunch of guys. Dalvin Tomlinson was in the backfield on a a sequence of several plays back-to-back from the interior uh, Okoronkwo on the other side was making an impact as well. That defense, I think, is absolutely legit, even if they were um, helped a little bit by the the conditions and by Brock Purdy not playing to his best. Sam, I was on the air live last night as Buffalo was really falling apart early. They couldn't get anything going. And then the first half with Tyrod Taylor and the run, where they weren't able to spike it and get any points. And to see the emotion of Brian Dayball – I think everybody, all Giant fans that I knew, thought that that was it. That was going to come back to haunt them, and it did. But when they had that final drive, when Tyrod Taylor was moving them down the field, but only at five, seven yards a pop, they they used a lot of clock to get down there to have only two plays to go to Waller in the end zone. Walk me through what you saw with the play calling, the execution, as the Giants had a chance to win that game late. Yeah, they did. They had a couple of chances to put up points and to have a better or different outcome in that game. And really, Tyra Taylor, I think, was at fault multiple times. Um, I think it was his mistake that caused him to run that play before the end of the first half, and that cost them points. And then late in the game, Tyra Taylor took off scrambling instead of taking a shot to the end zone. I think it was a questionable decision in and of itself to run there. But when you look at the replay, I mean, it took a lot for him to even get past the line of scrimmage. He should have been sacked by Ed Oliver right then and there, but he somehow managed to get out of that. So it was a a bad decision, I think, in a couple of different ways, and it gave them really only that one shot, which they ended up getting more uh, because of that penalty. And then obviously we saw the way the game ultimately ended. But 
I, you know, Tyra Taylor's a guy that was a, a capable starter, but that was quite some time ago. He's been sitting on the bench for a long period of time, multiple different teams at this point. And I think he's probably, you know, kind of out of practice at those little elements, the things that you just don't get reps on as a backup quarterback until you're out there doing it for real. Sam, last one. The Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. Their defense is actually playing well. I'd like your opinion from PFF on the defense, but are you surprised the offense is struggling so much with Josh McDaniels as a play caller, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer, Trey Tucker. You got a lot of players on that offense there. Why isn't it easier for them? Yeah, the defense has been fantastic. Um, certainly a, a surprise relative to what we thought it would be heading into the season. I think you're right. The offense has been a bit of a surprise as well in the opposite direction. Um, I think part of that is when you look at some of the opposition, you know, the New England Patriots may be a disaster right now, but their, uh, their defense is still good. It's still difficult. And you could see what they were doing to the Raiders in that game. They were bracketing Devontae Adams basically every play. They were forcing them to go somewhere else with the ball, and they were doing a decent job of taking advantage of that every now and again. But I think they've faced some very good defenses, um, and that's going to lead to difficult deals and, and tough games where you're struggling to put up a ton of points and a ton of yards. I think ultimately you're right. The talent is too much that it will come good. Um, but then the other element that's different is – the offensive line is not nearly as good this year as it was a year ago. Um, and there's not really, I think, a good explanation for that. It's largely speaking the same personnel. They're just not performing at the level they were a season ago. And that's stopping the run game from functioning the way it did when Josh Jacobs was cooking last year. I think everything else is kind of impacted by that. Thank you, Sam. We'll talk to you next Monday. I always appreciate your time. Anytime. Take it easy. Sam Munson, PFF. Good to get him on. Really solid finish to what the Raiders. I, I try to. I that that goes on my national show tonight. That's why we have them here at one o'clock, and I have that for my show tonight. As I have a couple other good guests on, and I wanted to get a Raider question in for everybody listening. Not every week I'm going to ask him a Raider question, but he was very precise with the offensive line. Isn't as good as it was last year. That's PFF. They grade every play of the offensive line, so he would know. And the offensive line's got to be a little bit better. And how they're going to get a little bit better. First, they've got to remain healthy. They've got to stay up. You don't want to go to the depth of the offensive line. These are the guys who are supposed to be the starters and be the best players there. But they got to, they just got to play tougher. Lincoln Kennedy, tomorrow I'll host Raiders Roundtable with him. We'll get into it again. He gets frustrated because he wants the offensive line to do well because he was a great Raider offensive lineman. So the Raiders win. We're pretty excited about that. We're going to celebrate the victory the rest of the show. Mark Anderson, who was at the press conference from the AP, will join us at the bottom of the hour. We're wide open with your phone calls the rest of the way. We want to thank our proud partner here, Doghouse Saloon. A couple of guys tweeted at me. They're still in town. Where to watch Monday Night Football? Well, try Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World. It's right off the elevators when you park and come in. Fantastic venue plus entertainment after the game. Sports books right there. So you got the sports book, the game, drink specials, food, and you'll have a great time. That's where you'll find me over the next couple of weeks. Doghouse Saloon for Monday night football. 702-365-9200. When we come back, I want to tell you about the Bears and one of their players who's great, not good, and the Raiders have to figure out how to slow him down. I'm live from inside Raiders headquarters, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We recorded and hosted Raiders Press Conference Live. Now Fox is playing baseball. 
Sorry, I don't have a big interest in the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros, but it's part of my job. I'll keep you up to date on the score. Be the brick. All right, everybody, we're back. Thanks for coming back. Uh, good show today. We'll have Mark Anderson from the Associated Press at the bottom of the hour. And we got a big week as we got to get ready for what's going to happen in Chicago as the Raiders take on the Bears. And we don't know who's playing quarterback for either team yet. Both quarterbacks are injured. Josh McDaniels talked about Jimmy G today. They dodged a bullet. He had some internal tests after he went to the hospital to make sure he was okay. From all the reports, Jimmy G is okay. He doesn't have a serious, serious injury, but that doesn't mean he'll play this week. So we'll wait to hear what the coach says and what the doctors and trainers say. I hope he plays. I think this is the moment for Jimmy Garoppolo to play. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback here forever. Wink, wink. If I was him, I'd play. Unless he can't because he has something internally that is very uncomfortable, that is dangerous, and he shouldn't play. So does everybody get what I'm saying? If Jimmy Garoppolo can play and he's not putting anything internally at risk, his liver, his heart, his kidneys, whatever it is, whatever I don't know what it is. I have no idea spleen right you always hear about the spleen whatever it is if it's perfect if he's good he's got to play if it's not good and they're saying look you got something sore we saw something we're not going to let you play bravo sit him out protect the player and that's what they'll do we'll know by the middle of the week later of the week and maybe they'll rule him out early and if they rule him out early it'll be Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell I'd go with Hoyer I thought Hoyer played well enough to keep his job for a week. And we know that Aiden O'Connell, if Hoyer's having a slow start, what happens if Hoyer comes out and he's two for seven, you know, for 40 yards and a pick? Hope that's not the case. Then you bring in Aiden O'Connell. Hoyer is a good game manager, and he didn't manage this last game. He went out there and threw it around like he wanted to win it. I like that there. If the playoffs started tonight, Kansas City would be the one seed again. Do you believe that? They win the tiebreaker over Miami based on best win percentage in conference games. The two seed would be Miami. The three would be Baltimore. The four seed would be Jacksonville. Your wild cards through week six are Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. And with all the other records of three and three, the Raiders are currently the 12 seed in the playoffs. The Bengals are the 13. So even though the Raiders are three and three, They win the tiebreaker over Cincinnati based on best win percentage in conference games. But they still trail the Chargers. How great would it be if the Chargers lose tonight to the Cowboys? If the Chargers beat the Cowboys tonight, they're going to the playoffs. I'm saying that right now. I'm saying that right now. If the Chargers beat the Cowboys tonight, who are good. Cowboys are really good. They might not be as good as the Niners and the Eagles. Those teams just lost. So the Cowboys can pick up a game on their nemesis. The Eagles... And the 49ers. If the Chargers win to get to 3-2, and two, I think they'll lose at Kansas City and be 3-3. Three and three. But if the Chargers lose tonight, they'll be 2-4 and four after Kansas City. And the Chargers will pretty much be at the bottom of the barrel in the AFC, just ahead of the Patriots and the Broncos. Raider Nation, I know you root against the Chargers. So do I. Be a big night to be a Cowboy fan if the Cowboys can win the game. Uh, let's get the final calls of the two games, the two teams that were undefeated and lost. First, the Jets win as the Jets came through and found a way to win an important game against a very good team from Philadelphia. Fourth and eight. They rush three. Spying Hurts, who's airing it deep, looking for Devontae Smith, underthrown, broken up by Jordan Whitehead. The Jets' defense delivers again. 
and the season is reborn for the New York Jets. Their first win against the Eagles in the history of the franchise, and they do it 20-14. to 14. <laughs> That was a wild stat coming into the game on Jets Radio. The Eagles won the last 12 in a row, and the Jets had 12 different quarterbacks in all those games. How about that? And the Jets are 3-3. Three and three. That sounds like a miracle. And New York's a much bigger media market than Las Vegas. They were all over the Giants and the Jets, and now the Jets are 3-3. Three and three. I didn't think that was possible once Aaron Rodgers went down. Also, here's the final call as the Browns win. Big win for the Browns over the 49ers. 49ers wanted to save some money in the draft. Go get a young kicker. Here's how it paid off. 41 yards for Jake Moody. Wishnowski kneels at the 31 to give the Niners the lead. Snap is down. The kick is up. The kick is no good. It's no good. And the Browns will beat the 49ers 19-17. He pushed it wide to the right. That is Andrew Siciliano, my longtime friend and colleague, as he's able to call that, and he's a lifelong Browns fan. That's fantastic. They uh, filled in for Jen Donovan, who's been ill, uh, fighting a really serious battle, and he got a chance to call that game. Fantastic for Andrew Siciliano, growing up a Browns fan and calling the game on a wide right by the 49er kicker. Uh, College football, a couple things. Notre Dame beat USC. That's a huge storyline because Caleb Williams lost to Heisman. He had the Heisman, I thought, locked up. He's a hell of a player. He lost it. You can't win the Heisman when you lose at Notre Dame and you throw three interceptions. So that was the biggest storyline, period, over the weekend. Huge storyline. And then to see the other teams, if we look at the, the overall rankings in college football, uh, Georgia keeps winning ugly, but they had by far most more first-place votes in the top 25. So you got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3. Florida State is sitting at 4. Washington over Oregon. How cool was that game? Washington wins. Oregon should have punted late. They went for it on fourth down, gave Washington a short field, and Washington wins. They move up two spots. My son's Oklahoma, number 6. 7 is Penn State. Texas is 8. Oregon 9 and North Carolina cracks the top 10 ahead of Alabama at 10. And we got baseball to talk about. If you're a fan of baseball, the playoffs are here. And Bruce Bochy, what a manager he is. Won three World Series already. Rangers and the Astros coming up here. And the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. I like the way the Phillies are playing. And you look at these seeds for the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. It's supposed to be Atlanta and the Dodgers. That's a tremendous blow for television ratings to TBS. Oh, a devastating blow not to have the Dodgers in Atlanta. That was a lock. That was a stone-cold lock that we were getting the Dodgers and Atlanta. Now you get the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. Ooh. Oh. So that's game one of the NLCS, and that starts uh, coming up here in a day. So I look at all these games and what's happening here. Though, excuse me, that starts tonight. That's 5.05 on TBS. So what happens if we have a World Series, which is the Rangers and the Diamondbacks? Bueller? Bueller, anyone, raise your hand and beep your horn unless you were a gambler. Would you ever watch the Rangers and the Diamondbacks in the World Series? Arguably the teams that are playing with the most momentum right now. 
baseball is upside down, and the NBA is going to start up here momentarily, about a week out from the NBA with some of the bigger moves out there. We do a lot of NBA on our show. Also wanted to thank the Shriners Children's Open for having us out last week. Had a great time broadcasting the show for those who went to the golf tournament and the whole team at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway for their successful NASCAR race over the weekend. Vegas is doing it big. They're doing it up big and right. And uh, what a weekend that we just saw out here. Tremendous weekend, and they're going to get bigger, bigger, and bigger. When we come back, Mark Anderson was at the press conference. He asked a couple of questions to Coach McDaniels. We'll get follow-ups with him. And how confident are you that the Raiders are playing good enough to beat Chicago with a quarterback you never heard of from a D2 school in Tyson Bajent? I like that type of party. Give me more at Tyson Bajent. I hope we don't play this back next Monday, and it hurts me. Go Raiders. He motions with his hands out to the right. Takes the snap. Jones back to pass. Pressure off the edge. Steps up into the pocket. Racing out to the right. Diablo in his face. Cuts over the middle. And it's intercepted. Merrick racing down the far sideline. 25-30. And hit from behind. And the ball is out. And the Patriots are on top of it. They at the 39-yard line. But they're going to say Merrick was down. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by Commissario Tequila, the official tequila of the JT The Brick Show. Yeah, I brought a bottle of the tequila, Commissario Tequila, to uh, my buddy's place. He stayed at the Cosmopolitan all weekend. I spent a night there, too, uh, and had a great time and saw some great music this weekend. And Tequila Commissario was there with us. So I had some friends in town who tried it and loved it. The award-winning tequila ran into George Maloof. Told him to thank his brother Gavin and Joe Malou for the hookup. Uh, Tequila Commissario, proud partner of our show. Mark Anderson joins us, the AP writer here in town. And Mark, I heard you at the press conference today. What do you think the overall tone was from the head coach, considering Jimmy Garoppolo is injured, might play or might not play? What do you think of his demeanor? Uh, he seemed like he was really encouraged. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, usually with Josh McDaniels, you have to ask an injury question uh, before he brings it up. And he brought it up without being asked. And he, he seemed like he was anxious to get the word out that he thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be fine. Um, I, My suspicion is Garoppolo will, will start at Chicago. But, mm. um, but you know, backs, backs are kind of crazy things. You never know if, if, if it's not uh, – Responding right later in the week, then they'll have to make a decision. But I just, I think, as of today, I think he felt pretty good about uh, Garoppolo's progress. If Garoppolo wasn't ready to go, I'm sensing just from the conversation that they might be cautious with him. Don't know, but sensing that if they don't, would you go Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell after what you saw Hoyer do yesterday? Well, I liked what Hoyer did yesterday. I thought he did what he was supposed to do, but I, I think you need to find out what you got in O'Connell and. Uh, uh, you got to find out sooner, sooner or later. So, um, you, you, I, I might. That's who I would go with. But if you tell me right now, Hoyer's going to start, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised because I think they see this window of games as an opportunity to, to put together some wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I and I think that they might feel better having a veteran go go on the road to Chicago to try to pick up one of those wins. Um, but uh, I I don't know I'm not I think Hoyer only has so much upside I, and I mm-hmm. and O'Connell potentially has more you know, we just but mm-hmm. we just don't know. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, O'Connell clearly has more upside, but I think Hoyer and a veteran presence, if he has to play, gives the Raiders, the team, the better opportunity to win the game. What do you think about the limited Devontae targets again? Do you think he's not getting an open as much because he might not be at 100% or you know, the double team is making the quarterbacks nervous? That's how I see it, Mark. When they see the safety over the top, Jimmy Garoppolo is the type of quarterback that just doesn't feel comfortable throwing into harm's way. No, I'm, I'm with you, JT. I, I think that's really where it starts from. I, I think McDaniels and, and the offensive staff, I think they want to get – they want to get Devontae the ball. I, I I do. I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think I think it's a quarterback thing. Uh, I just don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo trusts himself right now to get the ball to him in, in tight coverage. And then I think a lot of the same thing with Hoyer came in yesterday. Similar thing. So, uh, but I we got to find a way. Garoppolo is one of the top two or three receivers in the league, as we know, and you know, he, and he's capable of, of beating. Double teams and bracketing and all that, and you got you got to give a chance to beat those types of coverages if you really want to put up the offense. Mark Anderson's our guest from the AP. Mark, that touchdown that Garoppolo threw to Jacoby Myers. I was talking to someone in the building today. Is really the perfect Jimmy Garoppolo at his best. He had a clean pocket. He looked off a defender to his left and threw a bullet to a wide open guy who was wide open in the end zone. I expect to see more of that if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy. It seems like there's a wasted down or a ball's thrown out of bounds or there's a handoff into the pile. I just wish they'd give themselves more opportunity to throw it into the end zone in the red zone. Yeah, I think I think they need to because, I, I mean, Josh Jacobs shows signs every once in a while that he's kind of the Josh Jacobs of all, but it's just it's just not – it's just too few and far in between. And, and I think when you get down there, I, I think – you got your defense put eight or nine players in the box, and you know, taking away that running game. Why? I just don't think it it helps you to try to run your way into the end zone. Uh, I think they I think they have to do that. They have to go more creative and finding ways to 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 uh, run plays down there. And and you know that, that was a really well designed play to, mm-hmm. to Kobe Myers, and 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 executed brilliant, uh, beautifully by both Garoppolo and Myers. I thought Myers did a fantastic job on that play. Yeah, that, really that, that's what they need more of. I, th- I, I think that's some place, That's one place that the McDaniel's can definitely improve on is, is finding ways to be more creative down there. Mark Anderson, Mark. Finally, what's at stake here coming up? Chicago. We don't know their quarterback situation. It doesn't look like Justin Fields is going to play. Tyson Bagent will go, and it could be against the Raider backup. It's just too important of a game for the Raiders to lose the momentum they had. And a lot of it's ugly momentum. These are ugly games. Someone has to win, and the Raiders are winning these nail-biters. It's a good game for them to get healthy and play a solid offensive performance game against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and no, I think it's a really big game. They, they could, they're, they're definitely they're finding ways to win, and that's, that's hard to do. I know uh, McDaniel said it wasn't a Picasso yesterday, and he's right, but... Yeah, that's the, that's a sign of a good team. Is when you can not playing great, you can still find a way to win, and they got to go do that at Chicago. And and that's the one thing that makes me think that if Garoppolo doesn't go, that they might turn the ball over to Hoyer because they they really want to get it. They're they're not really interested in right now what next year's NFL draft looks like with quarterbacks in mm-hmm. position. They want to they want to try to get into, into a playoff positioning, and they can do that right now. Uh, if they they win this game, they're over they're over five hundred. 
and then they do have a tough test at Detroit, but then they come home and play both New York teams, which they can, they can beat both those teams. Absolutely, Mark. Good talking to you, my friend. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Sounds good, JT. Thanks for having me on. You got it, Mark Anderson. He's right. The Raiders have already been instilled as a three-point favorite at Chicago. So the line initially opened up Raiders minus one. It's now minus three across the board in Vegas. Look, I, I think it should be bigger than that. If Garoppolo was cleared, I think the Raiders would be a four-and-a-half point, five-point favorite on the road with Justin Fields being out, but no one knows who's going to be the Raiders quarterback coming in. If you're gambling for tonight, uh, Dallas at the Chargers, that line got shorter. It was Dallas minus two-and-a-half. Now it's Dallas minus one-and-a-half. One-and-a-half points, Dallas's favorite. How do you pick a game like that? You really think the game's going to come down to one bleeping point? You really do? What's your gut feeling tell you? My gut feeling tells me Dallas over the Chargers. But the Chargers are coming off a bye. The Chargers are rested and ready to go. They weren't healthy against the Raiders, and they almost blew that game. They almost blew that game. And then on Thursday, big game, Jacksonville at New Orleans. That opened up a pick Trevor Lawrence got banged up at the end of the Jacksonville game. It's New Orleans minus three in that game. So some of the marquee games next week, I think the big one is Baltimore is a three-point favorite at home against Detroit. That's an important game. Another game that I think is going to have big playoff implications, the Chargers in Kansas City. The early line, even though the Chargers haven't played tonight, is Kansas City minus five and a half going into that one. And Miami plays Philadelphia. That's a fun game. Philadelphia at home, a one and a half to two point favorite. And a week from now on Monday Night Football, it'll be the 49ers at Minnesota. The Niners are already a seven point favorite on the early looking line. San Francisco's getting a lot of breaks, man. They played Cleveland without Cleveland's starter in Deshaun Watson, and they still lost the game. That was a wake up call to everybody that the 49ers have a kicker that could lose them a playoff game. Did you hear what I said? They have a kicker who's a rookie that can lose them a playoff game because they wanted to go cheaper. You don't want to have Robbie Gold? You want to save some money? All right, that's the direction they're going in. And big news out of New Jersey, New York with the Jets. Jets are buzzing about Aaron Rodgers. He was able to sit in. He had a session before the game, his role on the sideline and potential impact in the coming weeks. So that's what Robert Sala is excited about. He said that earlier today. His superpower is his presence. Him being in the building, being around his teammates, being in the locker room, his positive attitude, his thoughts are manifesting all of it. I think it's powerful. Rogers only five weeks removed from his surgery. He had a torn Achilles tendon, suffered against that first game against Buffalo. There are rumors that he could try to come back sooner than later. I doubt it very much. Watching from a private box, Rodgers remained pretty upbeat, wore a headset, and contributed to the in-game conversation between offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett and the other assistants. For safety reasons, injured players usually aren't permitted on the sideline, but he got clearance from the Jets to do that on Saturday. How about that? That's a contribution, because I thought Aaron Rodgers would be on the beach somewhere in Maui rehabbing. No need to be around the Jets. That's not the case. He is around the Jets. He's trying to give him an advantage. Last opportunity to get in on the phone, 702-365-9200 is our phone number. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's, best pizza I've ever had, Boca Park, plus the other three locations. I get the Brooklyn Bridge pizza, the Caesar salad. They even got a Caprese salad that's unbelievable. And certain nights, half-price wine, nice wine selection. 
over at Grimaldi's. Everybody I sent to Grimaldi's, including Vinny Bonsignor, love it. Head on out to Grimaldi's. Tell them JT sent you. And this week we will have a $50 Grimaldi gift card to give out to a caller later on in the week. When we come back, we'll take a look ahead at Monday Night Football, the ramifications, and what the Raiders need to accomplish this week before they head to Detroit after Chicago. Schedule's really nice here for the Silver and Black, only if they win. And this is the time to win. They've won two in a row. Can it be three in a row and keep the roll going? I mean, Detroit, this isn't Joe Montana and the Niners. It's Detroit. Raiders better have a puncher's chance in that one. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. I love Raising Cane's. My sons even love it more. Raising Cane's, proud partner of our show. Fantastic. Chicken fingers, the buttery Texas toast, the lemonade, the iced tea. I love the coleslaw. Everything about it is fantastic. Jump on into a Raisin Canes as we continue on. 702-365-9200. Ira, thanks for being patient. Appreciate you waiting. Go ahead. Uh, Thank you very much, JT. I wanted to call and praise the defense again. I know that the offense is, you know, it's had its struggles as of late, but it seems like since Patrick Graham has gone up to the booth and he's, I guess he's seeing better up there than he was on the field. And I think that the defense is, is, is helping this uh, offense eventually show up. And you got to praise Patrick Graham again this week. Well, you're right. I don't know how much going upstairs helped him, but it seems to be helping him now. I mean, you could have great games on the sideline. He's coached from both angles here, but I think he's seeing the field better. And you can see this, Ira. They're lined up better. They're, they're not outside of coverage early where they're running around trying to make it up or they didn't line up correctly and someone's trying to help another guy out because there's broken communication. None of that. I like everything. It, they're very calm. Their demeanor's good. The only criticism I have is Marcus Peters at times is way off the ball. I'm talking 10, 12 yards off the ball because I don't think he has the ability that he had four or five years ago with the makeup speed. But everything else, especially the safeties, I love the way the safeties are playing. Well, I also think, too, I know you were talking about the Chargers-Cowboys game tonight. Remember, the Cowboys were embarrassed last time they played. I think they're going to have some incentive to beat the Chargers tonight. Yeah, well, they, they should be. Thanks for the call. You would, you would hope that everybody would have incentive to beat the Chargers, but it seems like a lot of teams have incentive to beat the Cowboys. Right? They want to beat the Cowboys because the Cowboys are a team that, you know, America's team, everybody – Wants to beat Dallas. You don't have them on your schedule every year. When you do, it's a big game because Dallas travels well. I'm very interesting to see. And one other thing about the Raider crowd yesterday, I want to wrap up the show with this. I talked to a gentleman here in the building in between commercial breaks earlier today. That was the closest we've seen to a real Raider home field advantage with the crowd. Look, the perfect storm just happened. Okay, Last year, the Raiders ended the regular season against the Niners in Kansas City. We got the Niners again in the preseason. That's game number three. Then we had the Steelers and the Packers. Are you kidding me? Those are four of the greatest traveling teams in NFL history. Four. And the Patriots travel pretty well, too, because of what's happened over the last 20 years. But for people who say, ideally, what would we like to see? I'd say ideally was yesterday. It was clearly a heavy Raider crowd. There were Patriot fans there, which you can't keep them out. They're going to bust over the top and pay whatever to get in. Whatever it costs, they're going to pay. 
But there weren't a lot of them there. So I asked the gentleman in the hallway, why? Why don't you think there were more Patriot fans? And he said, first off, they're not very good. And secondly, they've been here before twice. And that was important to me because they were here after the dual practices for a preseason game, and they were here last year for the regular season and here again. Once a team comes through once, they're going to have less fans. The only team that I think is good enough to break that mold is Kansas City. It's an easy flight to get from Kansas City to Vegas. Very easy. It's not Kansas City to Miami, Kansas City to New England, Kansas City to New York. It's Kansas City to Vegas. And if you've ever been to Kansas City, you want to come to Vegas. So if, as long as Kansas City remains a dynasty in the making or a good team, they're going to have a lot of fans that come here. But I don't expect the Niners to be here in a long time. You know, I don't expect the Patriots to be back for a long time. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers. And yesterday when Eric Allen and I hosted from the torch, it felt right. The crowd was loud and over the top. That was fun. And as I walked around the concourse and did my walking around, I saw mostly Raider fans. That's the way it should be. You might say, well, it was never a problem like that in Oakland. You're right. You're right. A lot of people were intimidated to travel to Oakland, and no one I've never met in my life wanted to go on vacation in Oakland. Go to a football game for sure, go to a concert, but they didn't want to go there for three or four days and stay over a Sunday night into Monday. That's what happens in Vegas. We are the sports and entertainment capital of the world. And it's going to remain that way. It's just going to get more and more intense. Uh, Ian Rappaport reporting Eagles Pro Bowl tackle Lane Johnson is believed to have suffered a lateral ankle sprain. Sources say after the MRI, his status is in doubt. No one would rule him out ever, but not believed to be a long-term injury. This guy will play under any condition, under any condition going forward. And more on Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo, those guys at NFL Network have all the injuries that have gone down here over the weekend. A lot of quarterbacks went down. Several quarterbacks went down, including Jimmy Garoppolo, and the Raiders are going to need him back. Uh, Ian Rappaport, two hours ago, no surgery is imminent for quarterback Justin Fields of the Bears. The hope is for rehab to improve his grip strength and for him to get back on the field when he can. Surgery would mean out indefinitely. So most of the insiders here believe that he has a dislocated thumb and he won't play against the Raiders. And if that's the case, the Raiders get a big-time advantage. That is a huge advantage, not having to play. Justin Fields, who already beat the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium, is a mobile quarterback. And not only is he mobile, he's very physical as he runs. He can run and stay in bounds and cut up field and get another 20, 30 yards. He makes me very nervous, very similar to Jalen Hurts. I don't think they're great pocket passers. Jalen's better than Justin Fields. But their running style is so over the top. Thanks to Danny who put the show together. He's here with me on Monday. Always appreciate him grabbing sound and having everything together. Thanks for the entire team over here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. The Raiders staff puts me up. Got a chance to talk to Dave Ziegler, A.J. Cole, um, Aiden O'Connell yesterday before the game, Eric Allen here today. Uh, Coming in the building kind of gives me the edge to do a good radio show and tell you what I know. And what I know the rest of the week is going to be dominated by the health of Jimmy Garoppolo if he's going to be able to play or not. Q's coming up with a big show as always, especially as he's on location on Monday nights. I am on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time, Sirius XM 82. So that's going to be a fun show tonight. And then I'm taking a nap and I'm going to bed and I'm going to rejuvenate. 
coming up.